1: What's up, everybody? The 2021 NFL Draft has begun. The Cincinnati Bengals have Jamar Chase locked up from the number five overall pick. So you better get on board if you're a fan. If you weren't on board before, he's a Bengal and he's going to be a good one. So we're excited about it. We're going to get to a lot of questions coming up on Listener Questions Live. I'm Anthony Kazenza with John Sheeran, one of the busiest guys in the biz this weekend. John, how you doing, bud?
2: almost too busy to an extent, but it's, it's a good busy, you know, it it gets your mind off, gets your mind off things and it gets you something to do. But like, I mean, we've been talking about this weekend for months, like we always do every single year. And then when it comes around, it all comes kind of comes at once, but people are excited. We got to give the people what they
1: want. That's right. And we've got quite a few listeners. And if you are able to, if you're kind of catching wind of this show, and you're able to join us live, do so on the Cincy jungle, Twitter account, the Bengals OBI, our Orange and Black Insider Twitter account on Cincy Jungle's Facebook or our YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you do not already. Uh, please do so. And if you got some time to kill this this uh, Friday, you can go check out our marathon, almost three-hour show that we did last night. John and myself, Matt Minnick stopped by, Zim Hude from Orange is the New Black stopped by. It was a great time. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, hopefully you had some fun watching that. I know we had fun counting down and announcing the pick and all of that good stuff. John, before we get to some questions, I want to go here. If you don't mind, there's a post on CincyJungle.com that I think is helpful for all of us. And this is from Nick Manchester uh, does some good work for the site. This is kind of some of the best available players. Now I I just want to, I, I briefly looked at this. I want to reiterate that this isn't necessarily in any particular order in terms of my preferences, John's preferences, maybe even not Nick's preferences. I don't want to, speak for anybody here but basically here here are some of the best available players because I'm, I'm sure we're going to get some of these questions here offensive line um so you've got Landon Dick, Dickerson uh, Sam Cosme Tevin Jenkins is a really interesting guy they, they've got Liam Eichenberg and um you know Dylan Radunes Quinn Miners those are all guys that the Bengals could be targeting in rounds two and three tonight and then you know you've got Aziz Ojulari from Georgia we've there actually are some wide receivers that did not go in the first round you've got Terrace Marshall and others I think there's some injury stuff going on with some of these guys but um, uh, they've got you got Christian Barmore an intriguing defensive lineman and then of course. You know, Milton Williams may be a guy that gets announced tonight, the really athletic kid out of Louisiana Tech. So these those are some of the names. I don't know if you want to bring up any others, but I want to refer folks to this uh, to this article on CincyJungle.com to um, note who is available as of tonight.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can look at any mock draft right now that has the first round adjusted or like already locked in so like those second and third round mocks where it's using the best players available right now and you can basically just identify any offensive lineman that's projected to be picked anytime tonight like that's a target for the Bengals, and it's just one to look out for this is a an extremely deep offensive line class and there are obvious notable names like tevin jenkins who i'm sure we'll talk about but the Bengals board does not necessarily look like the consensus board, and that's always been the case. It's the case for every single team. That's why you see some picks that may or may not surprise you. So literally any offensive lineman I think that is poss- is potentially going to be get picked tonight, they're in the conversation for the Bengals.
1: I am rocking 78. Old Munoz shirt here because I'm thinking the Bengals go offensive line, and my boy Anthony Munoz is announcing the third-round pick, Means Cameron of the uh, black-owned Outerware that has been collaborating with the Cincinnati Bengals will be announcing their second round pick. So two exciting players to be announced by uh, some great people tonight. So we're excited about that. John, why don't you kick us off? We're a few minutes in here. Why don't you kick us off? You put out a tweet. I know you got a lot of responses to it. I'm going to put you on the spot and kick us off with our first question, if you don't mind, good sir.
2: So I want to get to the questions that we got on Twitter, and a lot of it has to do with tonight. But I think it's only fair that we start today with looking back on last night and getting some Jamar Jamar Chase questions out of the way. So we had a question from Justin Money513 in the YouTube chat. Explain to me who Jamar Chase is as if I've been living under a rock for the past three years. I think this is a great question. Anthony, you want want to go ahead and take that?
1: Explosive, athletic, tough, and... Kind of a guy that can do it all. And maybe for some folks, he doesn't necessarily look the part. You know, if you're looking for a Megatron, if you're looking for an A.J. Green type of physical build, that's not who Jamar Chase is in terms of that mold. But he exudes a lot of the same physical traits where he can make tough catches. He can win 50-50 balls. And like we talked about last night, plays bigger than his size. I know we have tried to not make a big deal about the potential chemistry between he and Joe Burrow that they built for two years at LSU. But that is an added bonus. And I think that the Bengals are getting a player. I know a lot of people wanted offensive line there, but I think the Bengals are getting a player that helps them out immediately. And John, when you left the, the show yesterday, Zim brought up a really good point in terms of how it can diversify the Bengals looks on offense, mix up looks to a defense and make them a, a bit uh, a bit less predictable on that side of the ball, bring some balance potentially. And it, it's incredible what one player can do. Maybe we're setting lofty expectations right away, but this player seems to be a guy that can bring quite a bit to this offense. And, and now the Bengals have a really talented trio of wide receivers.
2: Exactly. And like just an abbreviated scouting version, like I think Anthony put it greatly, just an athletic ball of fun, <laughs> <laughs> explosiveness, um, straight line acceleration and speed. Um, he's not the most refined route runner because we haven't seen him since 2019 when he was 19 years old. So we don't know where he is on the development curve in that regard. So he might be a little bit raw coming out of the gate, but a guy who has straight line speed that can match up with any receiver in the NFL who can torch basically any cornerback, but also can help muscle them, that physicality and athleticism, that combination w- with, his, with his size and production and youth attached to it, it's a rare guy, and that's why he was the fifth overall
1: pick. Well, let's keep it rolling. Then uh, the Bengals do have Jamar Chase locked up, and you know now it, it would seem that they are going to they're they're going to go offensive line at least at some point on night two. We think, but here is a question from our good friend Optic Blast eighty one at Optic Blast. I know he was eager to potentially join us live today, and was was. Uh, A little bit bummed out he wasn't able to join us yesterday. But this is on Twitter. If the Bengals take defensive line in round two, would you call it, quote, malpractice? Or do you think there will still be plenty of guys to fix the line in rounds three and four? Well, I think, I, I said this last night, I think the Bengals will probably double dip at wide receiver and offensive line within their first Four to five picks. That's just a, I, probably five is is a little bit more realistic because they're probably going to add in an edge rusher or a defensive lineman in my estimation there. But I would not be surprised to see a you know another wide receiver to add with Chase, and then the Bengals maybe either double dip tonight, maybe maybe it's round two, round four, whatever at offensive line. But I, I think that would cause for better, for worse, and whatever you may think about it, it may cause quite a stir among the national media, the talk, talking heads, that sort of thing. The, the thing is right now where the Bengals sit, to me, John, there are a lot of offensive linemen. We mentioned quite a few of them already that are, are staring at them in the face. And, you know, I, I just think round two is, is probably where you want to get a guy that is either your plug and play starter at right guard, a guy you're grooming as a tackle, a guy who could be a spot starter right now and then develop into a a full-time starter. I I just think round two, I know you don't want to reach either, but um, I think round two is where the Bengals should be going at offensive line. They could wait to three, maybe some more guys fall, but I I think some of then you're getting into the Walker Littles who have limited tape, that sort of thing, and you're, you're kind of rolling the dice a little bit. It's
2: not malpractice because it's entirely possible that a defensive lineman is just their top player on the board. Mm-hmm. I know people don't want to admit it, but Jamar Chase was rated higher on their board than Panay Sewell, and that's ultimately one of the reasons why, if not the main reason why they went that route. I think Christian Barmore has got a lot of buzz as mm-hmm. I mean, the consensus best defensive tackle in this class, and he fell out of the first round because there are questions about how he can take the coaching and some other subjective things that we didn't we didn't really we never really know how to kind of react to it. We don't really know what it means. It's just a lot of vague information, but it apparently has some weight. If he's falling out of the first 32 picks, if they feel like that they can, you know, light a fire under him and, and get the most out of him, I, it would make perfect sense. that He could be the top player on their board and that's just how it goes. But I think there was a point made on, on Twitter to me earlier that said, like if you want to, if you buy into this belief that this offensive line class is as deep as it is, then you shouldn't feel forced to take one in round two, if you still have a lot of guys that you'd feel comfortable drafting in round three, when you're staring in the face of a potentially a first round prospect at another position, I don't think that's malpractice, but like you said, it's not gonna, it's not, it's not going to be well received by the consensus, I guess.
1: (laughs) It will, yeah, it will uh, definitely be questioned for sure if the Bengals do not go offensive line in round two. I mean, now I think it's a completely different conversation if they don't go offensive line at all on night two. I mean, we're talking second or third round. <laughs> That's a completely different, uh, completely different conversation. But I mean, I I understand, and I, I I'm eager for them to get an offensive lineman. This is a deep class that needs to be noted. But remember, too, John, last year we were all clamoring for offensive linemen off really the past two drafts under Zach Taylor, you know, this needs some offensive linemen and they waited, they waited a lot longer than a lot of us would have liked. And you know, that may be the case tonight, but I, I, I would anticipate for sure by round three, they, they have an offensive lineman under their belts, if not by round two, but there are, and this is the thing to your point before we move on this in round two, these are a lot of guys that have first round traits, first round talent that fall mm-hmm. because of injury stuff, because of "quote unquote" character concerns, that sort of thing. I mean, you get guys like Carlos Dunlap in the second round, right? So, I mean, there are there are very very talented players in this class, but uh, you know that fell into the second round. But we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, we're gonna get to. Some, some more questions here. I just want to remind folks to get to us in a handful of different ways. We've got live chats going on both Twitter accounts, the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, our Orange and Black Insider YouTube account. And then we've also got the live chat going on cincyjungle.com. We're taking calls and texts 949-542-6241. Get those into us. And then we're also kind of keeping an eye on the email theobinsider at gmail.com. Did I pick this last one, John, or did you? I, I kind of forget what, what order we're going in here.
2: <laughs> I, think, I think it's back to me. And I'm okay. going to go back right.
1: to um,
2: the question we got on Twitter from Josh Die at Aquanoggin. Nice name. He's asking, <laughs> assuming only the top offensive line pick on their board gets taken in front of them, what do you think the floor for a trade back would be?
1: In the second round? is that yeah. Was that the question? Personally, I would I wouldn't mind a trade back if it is just a handful of spots. Um and I don't know how realistic that is, and I don't know who moves up. I I just go back to that draft a couple of years ago, the Drew, the infamous Drew Sample second round, right? Where there were a lot of good offensive linemen staring them in the face that could have helped them right away. And I think they got a little greedy. They moved back because it's worked for them before. It worked to perfection with Joe Mixon a couple of years ago. But they, they got a little greedy. They thought one of those players would probably land to them. They did not. And so now, you know, they, they had to pivot from offensive line to get a tight end. Now, we, we didn't have their board in front of us. Maybe they had Drew Sample just really, really high on that board. But I don't think, you know, a lot of teams had Drew Sample as a fringe first round or, you know, a first round type of talent. I think he's he could develop into a good player for this team for sure. But, I mean, at I think if the Bengals can get another pick within those mid rounds, move back a couple of spots, then you're still able to get one of these offensive linemen and, you know, collect another pick, help yourself out with a wide receiver, another defensive lineman on maybe day three, that sort of thing. I I just, this team needs premier talent and it needs premier talent on the offensive line. There are a lot of guys there, but I just hope they don't get too greedy if there is a trade offer and they miss out on some, some big names. So I think if they do trade
2: back, um, they would trade back far enough where they would get at least a fourth round pick. I'm looking at the the three trades made from mm-hmm. 2017 to 2019 all in the second round. Uh, if, if you go in chronological order here, um, like they traded back seven spots to take Joe Mixon. They traded back eight spots to take Jesse Bates. Then they traded back 10 spots to get Drew Sample. So they kept pushing and pushing, going further and further back until it bit them in the dust. Every single one, they got at least a fourth round pick. They got a third round pick for Jesse Bates. Unfortunately, that only turned into Malik Jefferson. But I think they would be looking for at least a fourth round pick. And from, I think, 38, where they are now, I think that would require them moving back to at least the mid or, or the early mid 40s. So like 42, 43 range, maybe. So I, I think that would be to your point to not go too far back, but to still get an early day three pick, or maybe even a future um, early day three pick, or maybe even a future third round pick. Like I think that the mid 40 range is the, is the sweet spot to get the proper compensation while also keeping you in the range to get a quality offensive lineman.
1: On that, on that same line, we've got an email from Richard Fink. Would you take inside or outside O-line at 38 if both available also, with all the ones still left, could you trade back? Uh, we talked to kind of trade back to forty-eight fifty to get an extra third and be pretty well assured that someone from Notre Dame, Texas, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Alabama list would still be available. Then it would look like Chase, O-line, O-line or Edge, O-line or Edge, and you have four choices with at least the second round potential in, inside starter. Um, I mean, it's kind of the same, a little bit of the same question here, but... Do you think, I I guess the bit in the main point there is, do you think if they move all the way back from 38 to 48 or 50, that they would get an extra third round pick? If it did, I would assume it would be one towards the end of the third round, not necessarily towards the beginning. I think if you're able to get a third round pick and still are able to get maybe a a Wyatt Davis at that point or someone like that in the second round, maybe, maybe that's a win for you. But uh, you know, I I don't know how realistic getting a third round pick is moving back 10 or so spots.
2: And I think there was also a report, I've, I forget who who tweeted it out, but I think they talked to some general managers, some league source that said that teams are really going to value future picks for, for um for, in terms of like 2022 picks because, and, you know, we mm. kind of heard this last year, how like, you know, the 2021 draft was supposed to be more known commodities because you're not dealing with um, a a crazy pre-draft process. So I think right now it's projecting towards a more regular 2021 season and therefore a more regular 2022 draft process. So maybe teams wouldn't be willing to give up future day two picks in this year's draft. We didn't see that much trade action uh, last night. We saw a couple of trades into like the teens, I believe, Mm -hmm. Um, but there wasn't too much action going on. And maybe that is indicative of, a fear of giving up premium picks for next year's draft when the whole pre-draft process is is more regulated and more more on along the lines of a normal type of year.
1: We're gonna be here for a little while longer answering some more questions. We got hundreds of people joining us live. This is awesome. So uh, we appreciate all the all the eyes and ears on the program. And hopefully you enjoyed what we were giving you last night on the marathon show that we did. And we'll be giving you more on the podcast channel as well as on cincyjungle.com. So keep it there for all your Bengals draft coverage. Where are we going next, John?
2: Hmm. I wanted to go back into the Twitter thread just to make sure that we get as many of these as we possibly can. Um, Yeah. So let's make it a real general one, I guess from Scott Dotry. Ideal day two results, I guess, um, just two names to come to mind in both rounds or, or maybe just two positions.
1: What would be your ideal day two for the Bengals? Oh, boy. There are so many routes that I could, I could be happy with here. I could see two offensive linemen and be happy with that. I could see an offensive lineman and even a wide receiver and be happy with that. I mean, especially some of these guys, if, if there are further tumbles from that aren't expected from the Elijah Moores and whatnot, you know, kind of what happened with Denzel Mims last year, uh, you know, these are, I I could see value in that as well. Um, I I think ideally though, you got to fortify the lines, offensive line, defensive line. I, I would prefer that the team go in that order. However, since the offensive line class seems to be so much deeper than the defensive line class, that is where I would maybe give them a bit of, to, to the point of our past question about, you know, is it malpractice if they don't go offensive line around two, you got to look at the depth. And if you look at some of these guys that are, are in the defensive interior, if that's the route you want to go, maybe edge rusher, you know, that the, there's a little bit of a thinner class than there is in terms of offensive line talent. So I, I think, Ideally, I guess if we're looking for specific names, I like Tevin Jenkins. I like Liam Eichenberg as as offensive line options for this team. The guys that can get maybe Cosme, guys that can give you guard tackle versatility, and then you know maybe I don't I don't think Christian Barmore will be there in the third round. Maybe a Milton Williams, a J. Tufele, um, or an edge rusher that's out there that could help you out. That that would be my ideal if they're able to get all of that and still you know move back and get a pick maybe on day three. That would be extra icing on the cake for me.
2: I think that in general, like the, just the ideal plan would just to get a solid starter on offensive line and a solid pass rusher, because that that just, it, it takes care of two needs with two picks. If they go, if they double down offensive line, no one should complain. You're just taking advantage of a great class and you're basically punting on defensive line until next year. But that makes sense because there's not a lot of great Edge rushers that are left. I think that was you know, something that happened last night. That like you had Peyton Turner and Joe Tryon go off the board late in the round that helped push some offensive linemen into round two. So you just kind of have to go with that. And if you can take advantage of the remaining talent offensive line, you might as well do that. But I think ideally, you get a quality offensive lineman a right guard or right tackle for the future, and a quality pass rusher at either three, at either three technique or edge rusher, whatever rounds you see fits do that fine but it's going to be best to evaluate it when it's all said and done
1: agreed and before we move on to some more questions we're going to be here a little bit longer answering all of your draft questions your bangles questions i think we're going to talk a little bit about symbol john the uh, partner of our program and I'm gonna pull up a graphic for everybody here. They've probably seen it before, but it is the stock market for sports where you can trade sports teams like stocks. I don't know. I, I have not looked, I don't know if the Sim Bangles value is still at $25. I'm, I'm looking
2: at it right now, man. It's not $25. Okay, what is it at now? It is at $57.23. It has so. grown astronomically, even from yesterday. I we told you guys to get on Sim Bangles. To get on Symbol and invest in Sim Bengals before they took Jamar Chase, now it's up a little bit.
1: Woo! Well, we got to probably get an, a, a new graphic here. The $25 a share is a little bit misleading. And I think uh, maybe some interest in the team and what they did specifically last night is pushing uh, that up, up, up. And that's how you play the stock market, right? You, you buy low, you sell high. So if you got in on the ground level, uh, I don't want to call it insider trading because that'll probably get us in trouble. But... If you got in early, where you got around that twenty-five dollars a share, you made yourself some money, and potentially will be making yourself more money. But it's still, you can still get in here. The address S I M B U L L, so it sounds like symbol, but it's spelled a little differently. Dot app slash O B I. You use the promo code O B I, and you get ten, a ten dollar deposit bonus when you sign up. So go to it. A fun add to your fantasy sports lineup if you're a fantasy football player if you are a sports better a gambler that sort of thing this is a little bit different than that this is more like the stock market but uh a fun a fun add to your slate as well anything else you want to tell us about symbol john that blows me away what would you say it was 57 57 dollars right now
2: I, i don't know where that ranks amongst nfl teams i think it's if it's not the highest it's one of the highest because most teams are in that twenty to thirty dollar range, like the Chiefs, for example, are at forty-six dollars and sixty five cents. So there's been a lot of action on the Bengals, and maybe that's you guys. Maybe you guys are are signing up using the promo code OBI to get your ten dollar deposit bonus. But the symbol is not just for the Sim Bengals, it's not just for NFL, it's for the NBA, the MLB, it's for, yeah. it's for the big three American sports teams. You guys know you guys follow these these teams, you guys follow these sports. You guys fold these leagues, you know, which teams are good and bad. You know, which teams are going to be good for the long haul. Use that knowledge with symbol, make some money off of it.
1: Yeah. And thanks to symbol for partnering with us. They've been uh, very kind to us and uh, we appreciate all of you who have signed up for that, but go ahead. Still, there's probably still a lot of money to be made there. So I would check it out. Uh, let's go to our, our good buddy here. Jason Von Stein in the live Facebook chat. Any running backs you guys like, I, I mean, depends on when you're talking about taking them for me. I, I mean, I know there's a handful out there that are very intriguing, but I, I think that has to take a back seat for the Bengals until late day three, three, probably. But do you have a couple that you're, you're, you've got your eyes on maybe in that range, John?
2: Yeah. Like I, I've heard, I mentioned him a couple of times now, Chris Evans just as an athletic mm-hmm. guy with, um, Kind of a weird history in Michigan. He didn't play that much recently, but he has like a good background. Um, J- Javian Hawkins, um, more of an undersized guy out of Louisville, but extremely fast. I think he ran under a 4-4 at his pro day. But in terms of one that they could draft maybe a little bit early in the fourth or fifth round range, Cleo Herbert, Herbert from Virginia Tech. Not allowed to tread on those tires, but pretty productive when you did get the ball. So again, and uh, Trey Sermon. Uh, another, a name that a lot of people on here know from Ohio State. I don't know when he's going to go. I think the fourth round has been the range for him. But yeah, you just wouldn't feel that great about them using a pick that early on one of these players. But they do still need, I guess, some depth there because they don't have a lot of known answers behind Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan. But I think that fifth, sixth round range, Evans, Hawkins, they make a lot of sense.
1: One guy I have my. I guess this is a little bit of low-hanging fruit, but Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma is a guy that I've just kind of had my eye on a little bit because the Bengals seemingly like these Oklahoma backs, their style of play. He is not in the Gio Bernard type of mold. He is a bigger back. He's more like in the 230-240 range. But first year, uh, those Oklahoma backs know how to to churn up yardage. I mean, eight yards per carry average, on 64 attempts in 2019, 101 attempts It last year playing only in six games and had 665 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns. He did have close to 300 yards receiving as well. So that may be, you know, he's not a guy that's going to wow you with a lot of the stuff that Gio Bernard gave you. But since they like that mold, those running backs are in a system that the Bengals seem to implement in many ways. Maybe that's a fit. Just a guy I've had my eye on. Makes sense.
2: Just complete the trifecta of Oklahoma lethal. back. Yeah. late though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're going to go back to the YouTube comment section for Drake Barry, who asked us, what are your thoughts on Tevin Jenkins and Dylan Radens? Who would you rather take? I feel like we just got to address both of these guys because they're probably the consensus top two offensive tackles on the board. So if you had to pick between one of them, which one would you take and why
1: it was Dylan Radins and who was the, I'm looking for the comment here. Uh, Um, Tevin Jenkins, Tevin Jenkins, Uh, probably Tevin Jenkins. And I, I just, from what I understand, there's, there was a a little bit more first round buzz on Tevin Jenkins. Maybe a guy that could have gone in the, in the twenties and is now sitting out there. I think, is there not a little bit of a medical issue with him though? That's, that's lingering out there perhaps. So that's, that's something that worries me a little bit. Uh, th- but that's probably where I would lean. And, uh, you know, for better or for worse, I think both are very good prospects, though. I'll say this
2: because, like, we I'm sure many people have been asking, like, should the Bengals trade up for Tevin Jenkins? I don't think that's the smartest thing to do, even if you're in mm-hmm. a situation now where Tevin is probably in a tier of his own from a talent perspective. I think he was expected to go somewhere in like the 15 to 25 range. And then all of a sudden he kept slipping mm-hmm. off tackle. Needy teams did, didn't take him. And it's not only the hip issue. So the whole Tevin thing is that he suffered a hip injury in November of this past season. And then he opted out of, of Oklahoma State's season be, in part because of that. And like, that was what was thought to be the primary reason why he's slipping on boards and whatnot, but there's also some other issues. And I, I can't really get into into specifics because we don't really know what they are but it's it's very much like the bear the, the Bearmore situation from alabama where it's just like it could be you know coachable issues it could just be something with his character we don't know we, we don't want to you know libel this kid before he's even drafted right. but like there appears to be a reason why teams aren't as high on him as the media was and i think for that reason we could see um dylan dylan redone's pick before him and i think that would make a lot of sense to the Bengals too because kind of fits um in terms of a body type more of what they would look at at, at a tackle i think he has the nastiness that Jenkins has but he also has the natural athleticism as a pass protector who could also survive on the edge i think with Jenkins you know not only does he have slightly shorter arms like his biggest weakness is that he does struggle sometimes against speed on the edge and that may limit him to being a full-time guard whereas with with redunds he has the he has the potential to start a guard but also to kick out the tackle so I think if the choice comes down between the two of them, which I don't think it necessarily will, I think it'll be there'll be more options that they'll consider than that. I think they would honestly take the North Dakota State guy over the Oklahoma State guy, but not because the Oklahoma State guy is not good.
1: Let's keep moving. By the way, Tevin Jenkins, I have seen a handful of clips where he it just finishes, absolutely finishes blocks. Um, not that Radunz does not, but um, man, a couple of clips I saw earlier today were like, whoa, That's the kind of nastiness you you want up front, especially if you're the Bengals and have been uh, missing it. Uh, Where else do we have? I've been kind of scanning all over the place here, looking for some questions. Uh, Here's a good one from at honcho Hude, uh, a tweet saying, if you had to predict what is Chase's rookie stat line? Mm. So,
2: he has said that his goal is for a thousand receiving yards and 10 touchdowns i think initially he said 1500 receiving yards and then kind of pulled back because that's well a, a little too ambitious for a 21 year old rookie um but being a number one receiver getting it about i would say playing him playing a full season which would be a first for a, a first round pick in recent years um 120 targets i i, I could see in the range of like 800 to 900 receiving yards maybe maybe he clips as a thousand i know that t higgins was on pace to do that had he not gotten injured late in the season so it's entirely possible for jamar chase but you also have to remember like you know these are three receivers now who are all all going to get equal opportunities it's not going to be one guy really dominating the market share for receiving yards in this offense Mm -hmm. so i think in the first year when they kind of figure it out i think chase will be around that 900 to 1,000-yard range, but also I can see him getting in the range of at least six or seven touchdowns as well.
1: I would agree with you. I don't don't know that we're looking at necessarily the super, super eye-popping numbers from Just Chase because I think they are going to spread the ball around a lot, not only because of who Joe Burrow is and that he goes through his progressions and likes to get a lot of different players involved, but that was also something that was part of the rams offense right i mean when they had uh robert woods and um you know other other players in here i'm looking at it here the robert woods and brandon cooks i mean when you look at that super bowl year Robert Wood's stat line, 86 catches, 1,219 yards, six touchdowns. Brandon Cooks, 80 catches, 1,204 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, it's like mirror image. So, you know, I, I could see some of that going on maybe between Chase and Higgins in terms of, of mirrored stats. Of course, Tyler Boyd's going to be involved. I mean, I think between the three of them, you're going you're to have a massive amount of production. And then there's others on the team that they'll, they'll, they'll utilize as well. But fun question, fun question. hard to, Hard to nail down, but fun question.
2: That question does remind me to another question that I was going to get to earlier, and now I don't see it in the comment section. We can blame StreamYard for no. not going all the way back, but I remember <laughs> what it was. I just don't remember who asked it. So if you asked this question and you're still here, I'm sorry if I forgot your name. But the question was, where would you slot the trio of Chase, Boyd, and Higgins mm. in, in, for the
1: entire NFL in terms of wide receiver trios? Well good question it it does depend upon you know are we talking a healthy obj with jarvis landry they've they're probably in the mix i mean pittsburgh has a nice little trio of their own tampa bay i mean i know antonio brown's not there tampa bay has a nice one but i i mean i think easily the the trio of wide receivers tyler boyd t higgins jamar chase even though the sample size is small for higgins and non-existent at the nfl level for chase i i I mean, I think you're you're sniffing. You're definitely within the top ten, probably maybe even sniffing top five in terms of receiving core. In terms of just kind of on paper talent, it, there's the sky's the limit for the, for that group. And it's just a matter of all of them staying healthy, and again, the quarterback staying healthy too. So, I mean, I, I hesitate to say they are seventh in the NFL in terms of you know, but I, I mean, I I think they're within that top ten, maybe sniffing top five with with those three.
2: So it's weird because like there are a handful of teams that have dominant one, two options. I think Tampa Bay comes to mind with Evans and Godwin. Um, Minnesota has Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And there are a couple other teams as well. But in terms of like teams that have three, like in terms of just trios, if you had to include all three receivers and add that into the equation, like Dallas comes to mind because they have CD Gallup and Amari Cooper. Um, Like, you you keep going down the list like there are a lot of teams Denver's got
1: some guys too I think
2: yeah Sutton, Judy and uh, KG Hamler who was drafted last year Mm -hmm. but you just keep going down the list and you're thinking in terms of like teams that have three of these guys three of these guys that could be all above average to basic borderline elite receivers there's not a lot of teams that are better than that and I think it's weird how you like answer the question because do you want to wait you know the top two guys more than just the three guys overall but if we're just looking at overall trio, like who has who's better than who in terms of just like just straight up just trios. I think top five is probably the that range right now. And, that, and that's with Chase never even playing it down. But that also just speaks to the overall talent at that position throughout the league. Like teams, it's an armor. It's an arms race for these for these receivers. If you don't have at least two quality receivers, you're going to be left behind. and You're not going to be able to put up points with the rest of the with the rest of the league.
1: This brings me kind of to another question. I I guess it's kind of sort of my own and one that's kind of been thrown out there a bit since Jamar Chase has been rumored to be the Bengals pick. He is now the Bengals pick. There's, you know, there was a video. I, I kind of just tweeted out for fun that I saw early today on the NFL network that was, you know, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, like all these talented guys. I know the Bengals have work to do on both lines and there are still a number of picks to be made over the next two days, but this was something that kind of came to mind, and I know some people are talking about it. What, what does this do to Zach Taylor's seat in terms of it being hot, this this pick of Chase? Because now in the la- his three drafts as Bengals head coach, every first-round pick has been an offensive player. The last two has been a franchise quarterback and and probably what looks to be a franchise-wide receiver – and he's trying to execute this plan. You would think, then, with all of this weaponry that he's got now, being Zach Taylor, I, I think the seat got even a little hotter with that officially being the pick, and the fact that the Bengals are saying, "Hey, you know, we've got this offense. We've we've let you do your thing. You better put up points and wins." That's just kind of a thought I had, and I know this is maybe going to start to gain some momentum over the spring and summer. I mean,
2: from what I heard, is that like Chase was. Zach Heller's preference and it makes total sense because implementing Chase into the offense gives you an opportunity to fast track the progress that this offense can make and that this offense can be. And I think now that he has that, he has his three receivers. He has the personnel to run the offense that he wants. Like his seat is hot because he got exactly what he wanted, right? Like we, we talked about with Lou and Arumo, there was so much investment on that side of the ball and we're thinking, okay, Loon Romo's got his guys, he's got his personnel, he's, he's low on excuses now, like he has to produce. The same thing goes with Zach Taylor. So this is perfect for what Zach Taylor needs and probably wants, but at the same time, the expectations are higher now. Like he has to put up results because he has the personnel to do it.
1: We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I mean, this team, it, w- the interesting dynamic of this team and how it's currently constructed is that it has so many like exciting players, college all-stars, Heisman, I mean like all of these just mega names that are on this team now and there's just not a lot of wins to show for it right now. So I know a lot of these players are still very young and or have not played it down yet for the Bengals, but they, they got to start winning some football games, no matter how exciting these offensive weapons are and whatnot. Where are we going next, John? I, I think I just kind of arbitrarily threw a collective question together there. So where are we no, going I was gonna,
2: next? I'm going to do the same to you in a couple minutes, but okay. well, let's go to Robert Obrick in Facebook. Will they be able to afford Chase and Higgins on the same team in the few years?
1: Yes. <laughs> uh I, I think so. I think so. The salary cap's gonna go up. The Bengals value that position group. They draft it high. They pay it well when when guys perform. I think I'd have to go back. I think Hushman Zada, Well, I, I yeah, for sure Hushman Zada and Johnson both received contract extensions with the team to stick around and were paid pretty well. I think Johnson's was record setting at the time in some ways if I if I remember correctly. So I think so. But what do you sacrifice at the expense of doing that? You know, do you do you not? Are you not able to sign a Jonah Williams? Should he become a, a the next great tackle in the NFL? Are you not able to re-sign some of these linebackers down the road that end up maybe becoming good players for you? I don't know, but I think if if Chase and Higgins not only prove to be healthy but also are extremely productive, then yes, I think they make room for those guys because they've done that in the past. Three years is a
2: long time in the NFL to have Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Mixon, Jonah, and Burrow all under contract for three years. That in itself is long-term stability in the NFL. That's rare as hell. There's so much turnover at every position in the NFL that it's so rare to see that level of continuity for multiple years. So can they afford him? Sure. Will they have to? No, they don't have to like they can lose. They can lose a T Higgins. They can keep a Jamar Chase, who at that point is going to be the true number one receiver. And they'll still be fine. Like, don't worry about that in three years. Like this team needs to win now. And they have some sense of long term stability because three years in the NFL is long term. So I don't really care if they can or can't afford them in three years. They have a plan for right now. And that plan can last for another three years when Joe Burrow is still on a rookie contract.
1: That's a great point. And, you know, that it does seem, though, that all of these contracts will kind of be coming at a head in the next, you know, especially the the big time one with Burrow. Should he continue to look every bit the part of of a franchise quarterback? It it seems that all of those contracts are going to be kind of coming to a head at one time, so they may have to pick and choose. But usually the Cincinnati Bengals, they're pretty good about not being in salary cap hell or anything like that. And they, they plan ahead. They usually sign a lot of these guys a year before they're set to hit free agency. It's usually the summer before that they get these deals done. They've done that a number of times. So I would expect that they get that, get that done. Let's we'll be here just a couple more minutes. I know you've got one uh, holstered up, John. I guess I'm looking at some Twitter questions here. Um, Chances the Bengals draft Owusu, Koromoa, or Ojulari if they drop to them is from Josh Cavalcante at jcav underscore eight. And again, it would there's not a round specified, but I would think that you know Ojulari was a guy they you know I know they showed him a little bit a couple of times on the telecast last night. That that may be a guy that you know goes pretty early tonight. So I don't know if this is maybe. specific to round two but i think Ojalari has to be in that discussion at, at 38 if the Bengals are indeed inclined to go on defense with that pick
2: so i mean we we have no idea when ojalary is going to go like his whole thing is that he suffered a torn acl all the way back in like 2017 i think which is mm-hmm. even before he got to georgia that caused him to redshirt his uh freshman year 2018 ever since then he's been healthy he tested at his pro day there was no like real thing with that and he was just projected to go in the first round all of a sudden it started starts leaking into the media that the teams are worried about his long-term health and if if he's still there like right now we have no idea how far he's going to fall i think they would have a high grade on him entering round two but we we don't know and you know he could be, he honestly could be there in round three we we just have no idea how scared teams are of his of his medical, and I think that goes along the same lines of Landon Dickerson as well, who we can also answer this about. Like teams are really scared of his long term ability to stay healthy because he's had multiple season ending injuries, which you know can't be said about ojalari But as far as the Notre Dame linebacker JOK, um, I, I don't think they pick him. I, I think that's just a position that they're not really interested in in taking, even though he's probably you know in their mind like a a first round player. I just think that that's not
1: necessarily a best player available route that they can afford to take right now. I agree. Where are you going uh, here? We're going to close up in just a, just a second. Where, where are we going here? Or did you want to bring that I, I question out?
2: Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to ask my own question. I'm going to submit my own question. John Sheeran at Twitter. <laughs> Anthony Cazenza, what is just a surprise player that you could absolutely see the Bengals taking
1: in rounds two or three? Surprise player, huh? Well, I think, like I said, I think I, I keep going back to wide receiver. And, you know, there are a, a number of names. What I'm curious about is where some of these guys who were, uh, who's still available here. With, uh, I, I'd have to look at that. I know Elijah Moore. Was Elijah it? Moore, Ron, Terrace Ron, Marshall. Rondale, Moore, Rondale yeah. Moore, Terrace Marshall. So, you know, some of these guys that have some kind of mysterious things. Maybe there's a run on some of those guys now, kind of like there was a little bit at the beginning of last year's draft, but there could be players in round three that end up slipping. And they say, you know, to your point about when the Bengals picked chase yesterday, they intentionally kind of said, oh, well, we lost three wide receivers in free agency. One of which was arguably the best we've ever had in AJ green. And that's because we're not only going to get Jamar Chase, but probably someone else within the first anywhere from, you know, three to four rounds. Right. So I, I guess a surprise to some, I know a lot of us, including myself, expect offensive line and defensive line or two offensive linemen, maybe even two defensive linemen here tonight. I don't think that happens, but I think some form of two offensive linemen offensive line and D line, I think is kind of what everybody's guessing. But I would not be surprised if one of those guys slips. If there's a guy that is that shows to be productive on offense in college and provides you special teams ability as well, maybe that's a round three pick. If that if there is a run on wide receiver and they want to they want to make sure they get a talented guy, I, I just I keep thinking about that position group that that may be where the Bengals surprise us by getting maybe a guy in round three who ends up falling a little further than they think, or a guy that just hasn't really been on a lot of people's radars.
2: So, surprise could mean like, oh, we didn't expect this guy to be there. And surprise can also mean, wow, they, they had him rated that high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. This, sometimes it is the latter. And I'm, I'm going to make a somewhat bold prediction. Okay. You, have, you have Means Cameron making the pick tonight for the second round since 90 Native, owner of um, Black owned outerwear. And also collaborated with the Bengals with the Stripes don't come easy. Cincinnati native, I think he may call a Cincinnati native and Jackson Carmen in round two mm. tonight. Mm. I, uh, just someone that is not being listed with amongst the top offensive linemen, but size, athleticism, experience. He's still 21 years old. I think he, I, I think he might, he he could be the pick. And he's, and I think people should be aware of that when they're mentioning Tevin Jenkins and these other offensive linemen that are going to be available.
1: Now remind me again, Carmen. Has he had any of those kind of mysterious injury flags or any any of that? I know he has played in high profile games, which the Bengals put a premium on, with a lot of different positions on their roster. So and and played high level of competition for the most part. What uh, just uh, we've gone through so many of these guys, some of the, some of the characteristics and whatnot are running together a little bit. Was he, was there kind of a concern about that, or is it really just kind of age? Where's the floor? Where's the ceiling with this kid?
2: So he did have back surgery in there, January and and he did not work out because of that. But yeah. he has been working out with Paul Alexander. Obviously, the Bengals still value his opinion. And he's been working out with a bunch of young offensive linemen um, with, with the work that he does. But yeah, so he did not test and that's not great. But also, you have to remember that I think for at least four of the Bengals picks last year, they did also not test it, either the combine or the pro day, so there is precedent to take a player this high without knowing athleticism data behind them.
1: Well, that's also one of those things where you go, you know, is this with the depth of the class, some of those injury slash medical concerns, is this even a guy who goes top around three? You know, I mean, I and that, and that may that may be where they yeah. draft him. Mean. We don't we don't know. But I just right. think that he
2: could very well be a part of the conversation. A guard, probably too.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, man. That's a great point for sure. Any others you want to get to uh, before we hop on out of here? We've been going for, for close to an hour. We've got a lot of questions coming through. We're trying to get to as many as we can. There's also a lot of awesome dialogue going on between Bengals fans in all of our channels that we're posting to here. We got hundreds of live viewers. This is awesome. Obviously, people are just amped about the NFL draft. Personally, John night two is kind of my favorite. I think that this is where team is the best. Yeah. It's where you can get a lot of value. You're still getting players that you, you know, have kind of first round names to them, big schools, small schools, and guys, this is kind of where you really build a lot of, of a lot of talent upon your roster. So um, I'm kind of excited for tonight myself as well, where anything else you want to get to before we pop on out of here. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's
2: take a question about kickers. Uh, We'll, from Robert Rourke in Facebook, will we draft a kicker in round six or seven? Well, if you watched our mock draft, you would have known that we took a kicker in the sixth round by the name of Evan McPherson out of Florida. I think one of those six round picks could very well be a kicker.
1: Yeah. I, I agree. I think the Bengals just, it's one of those positions that they neglected for so long. And when they finally invested in it, they just let it, let it go. in in the form of Jake Elliott, who's been pretty productive with the Philadelphia Eagles since. So, it's just one of those things where they've neglected it. They just kind of keep throwing Band-Aids on the the wound, so to speak. And, you know, it it gets – at times it gets a little better. At times it gets worse. And the same issues keep plaguing the team wherein it's clutch kicks, it's kicks 49 yards and above. And, look, I will say this, John, whoever, if if they do draft a kicker, if they bring in a talented undrafted free agent that's a kicker, whoever it may be, they need to probably look – this is just my personal opinion. They need to they need to look at a kicker who has kicked in some bad weather because not only will they be playing, I guess, nine games at home this year, and as the year goes on in Cincinnati, we know the weather gets a little little crazy. You've got a game in Cleveland, you've got a game in Pittsburgh. You know that's that field's just always been notoriously a mess. And then, of course, you, you kick in Baltimore. That weather there can be inclement as well. So I, they need to get a guy maybe it's maybe you value the bigger leg to kick through the elements, the wind, the rain, all that kind of stuff, but they need to get a kicker who has played in some bad weather. I think that that is accustomed to that because that's largely what the Bengals schedule is comprised of. There's not a lot of dome teams, you know, all of the, all of the teams in the division play outdoors and they all have some bad weather as the year goes on. And he's
2: also going to be practicing in bad weather for obvious reasons.
1: But... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see that little zing, zing. I like it. I like it's it. called.
2: It's called kickers, man. It's hard to. It's hard to tell sometimes,
1: but <laughs> yeah, like that's just the nature of drafting the kickers. Sometimes you just don't know. Right. Right. Well, we're going to get out of here, guys. We're going to try and get to some reactions. We're not going to do – I don't think we're going to do the live stream of the picks tonight. Um, There's just a a ton going on, but we wanted to get this, where your voices could be heard on the listener questions live, and you guys can chat amongst yourselves and talk about the draft. Hopefully, you have enjoyed not only our coverage, but what the NFL draft has and and the Bengals have done with their one pick. Hopefully, you've enjoyed all of that, and hopefully, you've kept your eyes to CincyJungle.com for all the news, opinions, analysis, everything. John, thanks for, thanks for hopping on, man. I know this was a little bit last minute, but we had some great responses here. What do you want to, what do you want to leave us with my friend?
2: So I got some not so great news today. Um, I, a family friend of our, or just a close family friends of ours. Um, they had a dog. His name was Rudy and he was named after Rudy Johnson. He was born in 2006. And he, unfortunately, Passed away today, I think at the age of 15. Um, he was a little, little Bichon Freeze, little little, 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 little pup. And I never had a dog. I didn't, my parents were, at least my mom was allergic um, to him. So we weren't really allowed to have one. So um, I spent a lot of time at that house and I spent a lot of time with that dog. And that was always like the dog that I had growing up. You know, I could always say that, like, you know, I don't have a dog, but like, like Rudy, he's kind of my dog. We called him Stu. We don't really know why we started calling him Stu, but he he was Rudy and he was named after Reed Johnson. Rudy had a brother, his name was Boomer, named after Boomer, Boomer Sison. But um yeah, so like like that family, like they're they're the reason why I became a Bengals fan in the first place. And um it is like we knew to we knew today was gonna come, but it it still sucks when it does. And I know a lot of you guys, you know, you've had had dogs and this is, this is just just what happens and you lived to fifteen lived a full life and that, that's something that I can be can be happy about and so just just say if, if you guys can just say some prayers for for the family for what they're going through right now it's not the first dog that they've had passed away but um, th- it was a very special dog to me
1: yeah well I'm sorry to hear that I just you know unfortunately that thing um, that's that's part of owning uh, a, a dog, they're great friends. And unfortunately, you know, you just uh, have to deal with that side of things. Uh, so, interesting side note to that. I actually had a dog. I was very, very attached to this dog. Name was Rudy. R-U-D-I. Same thing. Great dog. And uh, so when you said the name, I didn't know the name of the dog. So when I, when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, that, that hits me too. Because I, I know what that feels like. And I unfortunately had to do the same thing with, with one of my best buds, Rudy, a couple of years ago, and that was not easy. And, uh, so I, I feel you in my, my thoughts and love to, to your, your family friends there. That's not an easy thing, but at any rate, uh, appreciate you bringing, bringing that. And hopefully uh, you guys handle the weekend. Okay. Despite all of that. And, um, there's a lot more to get to, with the NFL draft. And hopefully, you keep it too. Like I said, jungle.com, We're going to bring you more on this podcast on Orange is the New Black, basically, all of the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. You can get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, all of your major audio platforms. Click that subscribe button to our channel, uh, our YouTube channel, that is. And yeah, hopefully, we'll be seeing you over the weekend. Enjoy night two. We'll be back at you for night two and night uh, day three. So keep it to us. We'll see you then.